Did you know you are physically adapting to all your swiping, scrolling, and tapping? We're changing our bodies and what they're able to do through our habits. NPR's Body Electric, a special interactive series investigating how to fix the relationship between our tech and our health. Listen in the TED Radio Hour feed wherever you get your podcasts. Nuclear. Now, is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to your Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell. Kathy Petrus in Armia, Spain. Kathy, here in the U.S., we are no longer in daylight saving time. Do you all mess with that nonsense in Spain? Yeah. In fact, we changed last week already. So we were ahead of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we do speak. it here too, unfortunately. I'm not crazy about it, but we got it. Yeah, you guys saved more time than we did, Kathy. You say that You're right because you started a week earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a rich life here in Spain, yeah, Ross. <laughs> Ross Petrus in Toronto, I know that you guys deal with this nonsense. Do you do it on the same calendar as the US? Yeah, we did. We just had uh, less if you had last do you have it yesterday? Uh yeah, or over Saturday, the, I mean. Uh, over the over the last weekend, yeah. Yeah, we did too. And I, I actually really don't like it at all. I, I got all confused, my body, you know, I just <laughs> even one hour I had like a mild jet lag or something. I don't know. <laughs> I gotta like I gotta okay, I always forget because we've talked about this a million times, because everybody not everybody, but many get it wrong. It's daylight saving time. Did correct? you listen to Fletcher? Fletcher had it correct. Yes. Okay. Daylight saving. It's not like a savings bank, it's saving time. So Fletcher was right. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I I'm. feel good that you noticed, Ross. I was hoping you would when I said it. <laughs> I was very proud of you, Fletcher. <laughs> well, let's just jump in today and I'll let you surprise me because I don't know what we're talking about. Okay. First, we're going to talk. We're first going to have a mild little rant. Yeah. I, I bought some. I was buying bonds recently <laughs> and I was looking online about bond premiums. And I noticed a number of places are all saying bond premia instead of premiums. Oh, great. For example, Kathy found this one, but I saw another one in Bloomberg and I lost it, of course. But this was every risk has a price. And in our view, our markets are priced for different outcomes. Strikingly, the chart of the week shows bond risk premia must now exceed equity premia for the first time since the great financial crisis. And this is just a mild rant. I don't like premia. I like premiums. What do you two think? I hate premia. First of all, I look at it and I think premia, and it sounds like some sort of a, a medication. Secondly, I, I just detest that kind of like, I don't like media medium that much, to be honest with you. I have issues across the board. I like premiums. It's easier. We all get it. I think that's better. Yeah. Is this a, is this a new thing? I don't remember hearing this. I don't know. We, we, we just, we, we recently found it. I'd mentioned it to Kathy and then Kathy, I, didn't, I couldn't find my example. So Kathy goes, oh, let me help you. And then she went online. I said it like that too. You did exactly like that. So, so we went online, and I mean, Kathy just kept pulling out examples. It's and all I, over the joint. It really and I didn't is. notice this until recently, and it just seems everywhere. And I agree. I, I think that English premium has come into English, and I think the English plural sounds better to me. Incidentally, we should say premia is would be the Latin plural, mm -hmm. like medium, media, etc. This is a datum point that I don't like. There, there. That's one that I hate. Okay, thank yeah. you, Ross. No. I was trying to think of examples. I did. Datum should be, you know, just gone, locked out of the house. You know yeah. what I mean? I agree. I, this is dumb. 
this is just dumb. It, it feels like they are trying to make things more attractive by using, I mean, trying to seem like they they are smarter about what they're doing by using the word premia so that it'll be more attractive mm -hmm. to people wanting to invest with them. I agree. That's what I think. I think it's like one of those hotsy totsy like aren't we clip, you know, like look at us. And actually, this is going to lead into our next one because the one minor point I want to make with it is when we read premia, we don't read it as effectively as we read premiums. Yeah, for sure. Because we all like we know oh, S usually means plural in English. So in effect, they're being less efficient and they actually slow us down when reading, which leads us to the topic, topic today. <laughs> Ross, you do those seguia really well. <laughs> you mean the segues, yes. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna paste this into you, Fletcher, into our chat here. Do you know what a garden path sentence is, Fletcher? A garden path sentence. This sounds mm -hmm. like something that winds around before it finally gets to where it's going. That's pretty good. Oh, it's good God! Close. This thing. <laughs> this thing that you just pasted. Oh. That makes my head hurt. <laughs> yes. Now, this is, this is going to be a very tense-making episode for you, Fletcher. We warn you. Okay, Fletcher. Now, try to... What is that sentence? Tell us what that... Let's read it out loud, and then tell us what the sentence means. Okay, so I'll read this out loud, uh, and I'm hoping that... I'm just going to read the words. I, I don't know the intonation yeah. here, because this, this is hard. Okay. The horse raced past the barn fell. Yes. Um... I can't make sense of this unless a barn fell is a thing, like that's a noun. No. It's not. No. The horse. No, there was no barn fell. There's no barn fell. The horse raced past the barn fell. No. I mean, is this a modern sentence or is this something that was written in like. Well, okay. First of all, we're, we're going to say that this is, this is trick English. Now, if you, this sentence is technically correct. However, if you wrote it, no editor would let this get past them. Well, one would hope not, Ross. One would one hope would not. Hope no, I mean, the purpose of, of good writing is is clarity. And this is extremely ambigu ambiguous. And what basically, let's quickly go into slightly what happens here. When we read a sentence, we basically, uh, our eyes slightly dart around in milliseconds. And we basically syntactically sort of construct what the sentence should mean. And we also predict things. Like if I say, I wished Fletcher happy, and you can't see the next word, you pretty much guess it's going to be birthday, right? Right. right. Oh, I, thought, it, I didn't know, actually. I was confused. Well, whatever. Birthday, <laughs> birthday holidays, whatever. Something like okay, that. Let's, mm -hmm. let's ignore Kathy here and continue. <laughs> <laughs> so in this case, what you're doing is you're parsing the sentence. You're figuring out what the sentence means according to the rules that you know. Now try it again. Now what this case is, this violates some of those rules. You've got to basically go past that normal, this is how the sentence will, should be. I just want to interject and say that this is a really famous example of what's called a garden path sentence. And it was a guy, a professor um, at the University of Arizona, who's a leading figure in psycholinguistics, Thomas I don't know if it's Bever or Beaver, I can't pronounce his name, but his whole thing is he uses this as an analysis of sentence processing, which is what Ross is talking about. So process it, Fletcher. 
<laughs> I, I want to also say, Fletcher, that when we sat down and started right before we got on with you and started talking about this, I looked at that and I said to Ross, I have no idea what this means, even though I knew what it meant. Mm-hmm. You know, I still had an issue. So that's just in fairness. And I'm going to add prior to this, we also had problems with it. Yes. Yelling back and forth. No, it doesn't mean that. <laughs> You're right. It's, we did. Well, I mean, the the obvious thing that's tripping me up and probably anyone else is that there's the word fell at the end of this. I mean, the horse raced past the barn is pretty easy. Let's look at it. Fletcher, let's Repeat look at, let's that. Look at it. Repeat what you just said. I'm sorry, Ross. Yeah. I'm cutting you off. Oh, you just, that was the, the, that one thing you just said is the crucial part of the sentence. Say what it again. What say? Say it again, Fletcher. The horse raced past the barn. Right. The horse raced past the barn. Do you see what I'm saying, Ross? I do, but I, I think Fletcher needs to do something else here. Well, I, that is definitely true. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's look at the verbs here, Fletcher. What are the two verbs? R- raced and fell. Okay, let's, look, let's try to get a clause going here. Can you make get a clause out of this? That's what I was doing, I thought. I didn't think so, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy raced past the door and fell. <laughs> or Ross raced past Kathy's explanations. <laughs> oh, okay. Without any punctuation, without any, uh, like, as in there, I'm, this is not connecting with me. I mean, we could say the horse raced past the barn that was falling. Um, I, I don't, th- this isn't connecting with me. What, what am I needing to do here? Put a witcher of that in it now. The, Can you? The horse raced past the barn that fell? No. No. The raced is the key okay. in this. Think about it. Okay, the horse raced past the, the barn. The horse that raced fell. past the barn fell. So the horse... I'm doing inflection The now. horse, <laughs> The horse fell as it was racing past the barn or after yes. it raced past the barn? Yes. 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 Got it. <laughs> the horse raced past the barn fell. Okay, so... The horse so, which was raced past the barn fell. The horse... Someone grabbed the horse and raced it past the barn and the barn, the, the, the barn fell. The horse fell. Oh, okay. So I think my problem here is that I did not know raced was something that someone else could do to the horse. So if you had, if it had said, like, the horse pulled past the barn fell, I would have understood that better. Okay. That's, but the that's, horse, okay, that's legitimate. The horse, see, I, th- I thought racing was only a thing that the horse could do, but someone else can do that to the horse. Yes. Correct. Well, that, that does change things. Yeah. So you, you are correct that raced was the key there. It, it just turned out that it, I didn't understand what it meant. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a key, but I don't know where it goes. Fascinating. I don't see the key. Yeah. Okay. So the horse, the horse, the horse that was raced past the barn fell. Correct. The horse fell as it was raced past the barn. Right. Oh, Correct. Wow. Okay. And that's a classic example, the classic example of a garden path sentence. In effect, it's counterintuitive because your your mind it doesn't syntactically work the way you expect it to work. Yeah. So it's a problem. And that's in the garden path sentence. You're led down a garden path. You're deceiving someone, causing them to think or go wrongly is the is the idea. Well, the problem is, like in this case, I mean, raced being the issue is you've got words that, you know, mm-hmm. and they're very familiar to you. But the but the meaning that you normally would come up with don't apply. So it's very ambiguous in that sense. Mm-hmm. And they don't look like they make any sense whatsoever until they're really explained. I mean, really explained. And it comes from how we're reading, how we read. We don't wait to understand a sentence until the very end. We predict it as we go along. And then suddenly we go, wow, this doesn't make any sense. 
leading us to okay this one this one slays me to be honest okay <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna i'll paste it in again for you fletcher we're okay. giving you the benefit of the, the right. reading that's one thing i gotta also say though in most of these cases um when you hear someone saying it inflection is sort of key mm-hmm. you can i think that if you if you hear it they're easier than if you read it yeah why don't you read it flat i mean just read this the, oh okay the old man the boat the old man the boat those five words, the old man, the boat. In this right. case, I'm going to say that old people are the ones uh, working the boat. Yes, you got it. The old that was man, good. the boat. Yes. Yeah, okay. And what, what we normally do, though, is we see old man. Oh, absolutely. And we instinctively go, you know, that's the normal thing. That's the way you normally say it. So you get confused. And you're right that, and I've always sort of noticed this, you know, when I look at a sentence... Uh, assuming it's not a very long sentence, I pretty much take in the entire thing at once and then start to look at the different parts. Like my eyes just sort of zip everything together and then I I kind of start to look at the component parts in order to... I do that, yeah. yeah. I, I, I definitely read that way. I don't think I read, you know, bup, 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 right. bup. We should really do one on it because it's called saccades. I remember I had an eye test one time and... What happens is your your eyes, like I said, in a millisecond they dart around the sentence, right? And then and then they have a it's called fixation. Then they stop on one word or whatever, and then they go back to darting about again. It's like a really weird way of because I used to think we just sort of read a sentence, you know, the sentence is mm. here, yeah. But we don't. We're darting yeah. about and predicting constantly and literally in milliseconds. In this case, when I saw the old man, the boat. Uh, I I very, very, very quickly sort of saw old man and then instantly went straight to boat. And then Good. and that's pretty much what I saw. And and so, yeah, it was very confusing. Very quickly, old man, and then instantly went to the end. And and that was it. That's how I saw the sentence. Curiously, this is off topic, but I just thought of it. When I read, I, do you guys find... I do. A lot of times I'm reading and I realize I did not read the beginning of a paragraph or something. I just mm-hmm. sort of went down here. Absolutely. And then I suddenly realize I have to go back up there because I'm going, who, what? You, you know? Bet. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. On a different topic, I wonder, uh, the same topic, but I wonder if the old man, the old boat, I'm just going to write that in right now. Is that harder <laughs> or not? Let's see. Let's see what it looks like. The old Let's man, the, the old boat. The old man, the old boat. Harder. I think that's harder. That's harder. Because you get old, old. You really get old. I think it is harder because you you basically are reinforcing the idea that old is 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 uh, is adjective is an adjective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you Look get the old it. man, the old boat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that that's a really good one? I think that's better than those stupid linguistic psycholinguistic research people. We should tell your Mister Beaver or Bever that we've got a better. <laughs> we've got a better. <laughs> or is it Beaver? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is fun. Let's do more. Okay, well, we're actually going to go, okay, so the point of a garden pass sentence is by the end of the sentence, they say that the ambiguity is resolved. Ha, you can figure it out. Ha, 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 nonsense. Shh. That's what they say. Well, that's right. a good segue, though, Catherine. <laughs> nonsense. Because. <laughs> this is something that, it, it's sometimes a subset of, of garden pass sentences. Some say it's not. We're talking now about crash blossoms. Ooh. Give Fletcher the uh, Give me headline, a Catherine. Crash Blossom. And we'll explain why it's <laughs> These are fun. We put these in our, our annual misquote, stupidest things ever said <laughs> calendar every year. So 
Okay. Oh, I love these. Okay. <laughs> oh, all right. A headline from the London Times. Hospitals named after sandwiches kill five. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, oh, okay. Oh, I see it now. I figured out what it actually means. What it sounds like it means is that ho- the hospitals have killed five, and those hospitals are named after sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> you got egg salad. You got tuna melt. <laughs> <laughs> but what actually... I mean, obviously the sandwiches killed five people, so maybe there was E. coli or something in the sandwiches. Maybe mm-hmm. those sandwiches came from hospital cafeterias or something. The hospitals that's, have been named. That seems to be it. Yeah, the hospitals have been named after the sandwiches from those hospitals killed five people. Yep, that's it. Okay. And that's what these are called crash blossoms. And actually, it's interesting. They're uh, invented, or the, the word was invented by an editor called Dan Bloom. And he got it from a headline in Japan today a while back. And it's violinist linked to JAL crash blossoms. Oh, crash blossoms. And it blossoms. the success of a woman whose dad died in a Japan Airlines crash. Yeah. Uh, also, it's kind of appropriate his name was Bloom, isn't it? Oh, I never thought of that. That's wonderful. I like it. That is good, yeah. Fletcher. Uh, yeah, he's, he's very bright, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> We've trained him well. Yes, thank you. No. <laughs> uh, I, these are hysterical. I mean, these are so common in, um, in fairness. I think a lot of times you're writing a headline. Mm-hmm. Well, you're in news, Fletcher. I mean, I, I, me years ago when I worked at Channel 5 and stuff, you're, you have to hack something out, like, boom, get it out there. And, and you've got limited space, so you... you come up with sort of very ambiguous oh, and um, just really tortured ways of saying things. Exactly. I mean, we had, gosh, there's so many examples. Well, Jay Leno um, made a career out of it, didn't he? Oh, that's right. I he shouldn't did. say that he made a career and then he used it a lot, but <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he was very famous for that. He was very famous for that. Well, we could read a few right here just quickly before moving on. Uh, homicide victims rarely talk to police. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. What is this? Oh, hospitals, hospitals oh, here, sued. Oh, now I get it. Of course it. you get it. Hospitals <laughs> sued by seven foot doctors. Oh. By, it's, I, I, made, I, said, I read it too, too correctly. You yeah, because I looked at it and I saw hospitals sued by seven foot doctors. Yeah. Right. Obviously. <laughs> um, red tape holds up new bridge is pretty obvious. Stolen painting found by tree. Squad helps dog bite victim. It's just like, (laughs) they're just gorgeous. Oh, Ross, you have to do this one. This is, I know, I love this one. This, you that has to be the red as opposed to actually, um, this is we're gonna have to paste that in for Fletcher. Put it in, let's let Fletcher read it. This one depends on how you speak the word. This is from the London Times. Oh, why would you call somebody that? Okay, um. Queen Mother, what it looks like is Queen Mother tried to help abuse girl. Right. Which is horrid. Um, But I guess it's Queen Mother tried to help abuse girl? Yes. Yeah. Why would you call somebody an abuse girl? That's terrible. Yeah. I mean, the difference is, I mean, like in one case, you've got like a verb or, or, you know, the other case, it's a noun. So, you know, I mean, wouldn't we at least say abused girl? Yeah, we would. We would. Yeah. We would. See, that's... Oh, and there's another British one that I loved. It's the British left waffles on Falklands. 
Although, Kathy, you, you basically destroyed our wonderful segue, which was mm-hmm. abuse and abuse, which is, in a way, leads to another idea, which is, um, we always get the problem with pronouncing this. It's a little diversion. It's uh, antinoclastic uh, sentences. That's when you have a repetition of a word and it um, has two different meanings. Oh, okay. Fact, this one had a repetition of a sound that has two different meanings. I mean, a word that has two different sounds, but time flies like an arrow, fruit flies like a banana. Ah, uh huh. When I was a kid, though, Ross, I thought that was the height of wit. I really did. <laughs> I was a simple child. <laughs> Ant- antinoclastic. Okay, so that's what that is when you've got you've got the same word twice, but it means different things in the sentence. Precisely. I'm going to paste you now. Here, here's like Ben Franklin had this very famous quote: "We all must hang together, or most assuredly we shall all hang separately." And of course, he meant. I mean, he he knew exactly what he was doing with that sentence. Do you want to hear something a, a really horrible admission? Uh, we had uh, that. I remember this quote when I was a kid, and it literally in junior in um, in elementary school because we lived in a colonial sort of area. And I actually thought I never thought about it until Kathy posted it up here. I actually thought as a kid he meant like we're all gonna get. I still have a vision as a kid. We're gonna all, all getting... die together or die alone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm very embarrassed to admit this, but I did as a kid. I did not understand. That's a into the classic sentences. Oh, it. that's right. And you got the history prize in high school. I'm I did, shocked, well, I Ross. Shocked. Well, <laughs> well, he just had to be better than everyone else. He didn't. Have... <laughs> so now I have a question, and I'm gonna. I'll direct it to both of you. You know the famous Groucho Marx quote, which is one of my, I mean, joke, which is always one of my favorites. I shot an elephant in my pajamas. What he was doing in my pajamas, I'll never know. Right. That's not, is that, or is that, I'm confused a little bit. No. Is that anticlinic? Anticlinic? No, it, me- it means the same thing, but it seems, um, that seems closer to uh, one of those that we've talked, that we talked about yes. earlier. Because we're missing the word while, right? I shot, a, yeah. I shot an elephant yeah. while in my Precisely. pajamas. Yeah. Yeah, okay, because I love that joke, and I wanted to say it, so it's not anticlinastic. Antinoclastic. Antinoclastic. A-N-T-A-N-A-C-L-A-S-T-I-C. Antinoclastic. Antinoclastic. That's a new word of the day for all of us. I I love it. Antinoclastic. How am I going to fit this into conversation here when I go to the fruteria? Hola! (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think it'll work. Okay, now this is now we have this is when we're going really crazy, Fletcher, because this is fun with Weird English Day. I'm pasting in an unpunctuated sentence. Oh, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I'll read it very flat. Okay, <laughs> it has um eleven times one word appears in the sentence. You'll hear it now. all in a row. James too. while John had 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 had. Had, 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 had a better effect on the teacher. It's 11 hads. Wow. I, I think we should just keep going on this one, Kath, because this is just you can, I You can make no, no sense whatsoever of this. I could, I could spend a very long time trying to figure that out. Uh, and this is silly. I mean, this is really getting... The man had a cold. It's two students who were required to describe uh, something in the past. And the word had is the key. So it's James... 
while John had had had, had 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 had, had 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 a better effect on the teacher. Oh, sure. Totally clear now. <laughs> <laughs> Ross, now you can explain. Well, yeah, basically, the man, John writes the man had a cold. The teacher said it was incorrect. So James writes the correct. The man had had a cold. James' answer, being more grammatical, had a better impression on the teacher. That's, in effect, what we're doing here. Lovely. I mean, they didn't mention cold in it. But this one is the one that killed both Kathy and me. And we still kind of, we think we know, and then we forget it again. But then <laughs> yeah. we cut it. We, 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 we got it. I'm pasting it. It's center embedding. That's a, that's a clue. Okay. I, I will I will just read this straight ahead as it is, and then we'll try to figure this out. The man, the professor, the student has knows studies Rome. <laughs> ah! <laughs> no. At this point, I am leaving. Yeah. The man, the professor, the student has knows studies Rome. Okay, so the student has the professor, the professor knows the man, and the man studies Rome. Holy cow, Fletcher! Wow! Fletcher! We bow you before you. The man, the professor, the student has knows studies Rome. The man, the professor. Okay, so take out the student has. The man, the professor knows studies Rome. The man, the professor, the student has studies. You Rome. got it. Woo! Holy got it. smokes! Because <laughs> <laughs> we were doing this. This was supposed to be the final topper, and when right before we got on with you, we were going like, okay, we had to both go through it again for us to get it again. Yeah. That's wild. Now, Ross, you tipped me off just a little. I want to say I might have figured it out anyway, but you said it was it was called center what? Center embedding. Basically, you're putting clauses. It's interesting because Latin does this a lot. You're putting clauses within clauses within clauses. Mm -hmm. It's like you basically are spreading out. And the clauses like normally, and this also has no commas or whatever either. So things like commas like to set off a clause or has nothing setting off the clause so we know it's a clause it just it just marches right on i mean it's a very it's an ugly sentence yeah this is another example and a lot of these are all this although probably a lot of them are just people having fun with language but th this is another example of something an editor would never let pass mm -mm. or ought, ought mm -mm. never let pass mm -hmm. true but it also shows two things number one to some degree and i'm not disparaging fletcher because you know he did say we we gave a clue to him but to some degree too he's now aware as we're reading these things his brain is going hmm there's a trick where's the trick definitely so he's that, not going to be definitely quite, true yeah yeah if, if you'd given this to me at the very beginning i don't know i don't know what would have happened but the other thing i do think that we've we've shown and certainly ross you and i when we were going through these and going absolutely bonkers is that like you know okay again you go to the know the trick but english is confusing but and you immediately apply the obvious rule, but you try to find, like, you know, there, there's got to be another rule that fits here. There's got to be. You know what I mean? And that's what Fletcher was doing. He actually, you know, did it beautifully. I know. I'm a little pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're Saying It Wrong is part of the NPR Podcast Network and is produced by me, Fletcher Powell, in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus records from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. Our digital team is Beth Golay and Carly Cooper. If you like what we're doing here on the show, please tell everyone you know and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. 
If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can email me at powell at kmuw.org or email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross's other books pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And a number of their books are also available on audiobook, read by the authors themselves. Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can find out more about what they're doing at their website, kandrpetrus.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.